Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The thing about Seattle is that we have mountains, we have beautiful bodies of water. This is John Grant, and he obviously loves Seattle. But he also sees the city's flaws. When I was growing up, walking the streets of Seattle, it also had this enormous homeless population. John wanted to fix that flaw. He did community outreach. He worked for the Tenants Union. And in 2015, he took his first stab at local politics. I ran for city council twice. And the first time... um... The first time, money was a serious challenge. Working with the homeless is not a job that connects you with a lot of rich donors. And Seattle, like the rest of the country, had a dial-for-dollar system for fundraising. You make a list of everybody you know that could potentially donate the maximum amount, which back then was $700. And you go through that list pretty quick. (laughs) Some money trickled in. Small money. $10, $15, $25, $50. Small grassroots donations. Ultimately, John pulled together $75,000. Not bad, but it paled in comparison to the $400,000 that his opponent raised. That was money from tech giants like Amazon, pharma and insurance companies, real estate developers. It was a real challenge. John did not win. This is a familiar story because it is not just a problem for Seattle or just a problem for John. The average congressional race can run between $1.4 million to $13 million. Elections all across the United States are getting really, really expensive. Massive amounts of money going into politics as a result of the Supreme Court's Citizens United decision. And this year... And a midterm election expected to be the most expensive ever. Voters are angry about it. Candidates are talking about it. I think we have a Congress that's been bought and sold uh, by special interests. Secret spending in our elections has exploded. Our system is not designed for working-class Americans to hold office. How are you going to ask your friends and family for 400000 a million dollars? But Congress isn't doing anything about it. Enter Seattle. The city has a plan to make small donations much, much bigger. And that could radically change how political fundraising works all across the country. And welcome back to the impact on the Vox Media Podcast Network. We are a podcast about how policy shapes people's lives, and I am your host, Sarah Cliff. Our first season was all about healthcare, but this season we are doing something different. We are hitting the road to see America's most interesting policy experiments. I've been a policy reporter for about a decade, and one of the key things I've learned is that the most exciting, interesting, sometimes even wacky policymaking 
it is not happening in Washington. It is happening in states and cities all across the country. Smart people are tackling big problems by trying something different. We're going to see what happens next. Our first trip is out to Seattle. It's devastatingly beautiful. It's so liberal and it's so progressive. 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 Cloudy. Rainy. Cloudy and progressive. But we are not here to complain about the weather. We are here because Seattle is running an unprecedented experiment. An experiment to get big money out of politics. Here is what they did. The city sent a half million people free money to donate to political campaigns. We wanted to know, did it make a difference for candidates like John? Did it get voters more involved? And how do you even give away all that free money? We will get to all of that, but we are going to start at the very beginning with where the idea came from. Hi. It began in a small think tank in downtown Seattle. I went to visit on a rainy day last February. The office has bright green walls and a fabric banner hanging over the front desk. Picture these little quilted triangles all strung together to spell out the organization's name. Sightline. Oh, yeah. Doesn't everything tank in D.C. have a, have a banner? <laughs> Home-stitched? This is Alan Durning. Things are a little different on this coast. Alan runs Sightline. He is tall and wiry and extremely wry. Honestly, the more human you yeah. can be with us, the happier we will be. That's hard. My staff has concluded that I'm actually a Cylon, like, like in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Sightline has spent 25 years fighting for the environment. And for many of those years, Alan watched politicians vote against his ideas. He became convinced it was all about money. Politicians needed money to run for election. They would dial up their big donors, trying to feed the campaign beast. A person from, say, the oil industry might decide to donate. And then maybe the politician and the donor would go golfing. Uh, there's not a lot of golf in politics in the Northwest. It's more like they go cycling or go on a hike. But it's the same deal. And the whole time the politician is being hiked and biked, the donor has her ear. They're not demanding votes in exchange for the money, but the politicians know what side their bread is buttered on. So Alan decided, okay, to fix the environment, we need to fix campaign finance. And he started looking for solutions. I was voraciously reading everything about money and politics and reform ideas. In late 2011, he came across an intriguing idea on the op-ed pages of the New York Times, something called democracy vouchers. It gives everybody an equal voice. Democracy vouchers are the brainchild of a Harvard political scientist. They won't take big money out of politics completely because that isn't legally possible right now, mostly because of Citizens United, the Supreme Court decision. It says that the government cannot stop rich donors and companies from spending money to support candidates. You can't stop them, but you can make them matter less. Make big money matter less by making small money matter more. That is the goal of democracy vouchers. And as an idea, it is both really simple and totally bananas. Send all voters free money from the government that they can donate to the campaign of their choice. Then politicians won't need to sit in dark rooms dialing for dollars. They won't need to go on hikes and make deals with oil industry execs. They can spend all their time talking to voters. 
right? Going door to door, you know, hanging out at the farmer's market is what it'd be in Seattle, of course. So the power shifts to wherever the people are instead of where the money is. Scholars were really jazzed about this idea. But it's never been attempted anywhere in the world. And because fools rush in where angels fear to tread, I said, wow, we should do that. (laughs) Alan worked with a bunch of people to pull a ballot initiative together. The initiative laid out the experiment. First, it said that all Seattle residents would get $100 to donate to the candidate of their choice. Second, it asked Seattle voters to increase their own property taxes to pay for it. And then, on November 3rd, 2015, Seattle voted. Alan was super nervous. He was waiting with his campaign staff at a downtown bar. And it was a blowout. We just won, and everyone was just screaming. Uh, My junior staff who were there had never seen me literally jumping up and down with joy. <laughs> they came back and told the rest of the office about it the next day. About Because, you know, I'm a relatively understated guy. <laughs> but I was ecstatic. It was a huge win. I wasn't worried about the implementation at that point. But the next day, and for an entire year afterwards, Alan did have to worry about implementation. And he was not alone. It was a daunting task. Wayne Barnett is the executive director of Ethics and Elections in Seattle. He's the guy who was in charge of setting up the Democracy Voucher Program. And when you think about it, he was essentially tasked with creating an entirely new currency from scratch. I was pretty terrified. Luckily, some of the big details were baked into the actual law. Like, Seattle residents got $100 each. But what was that $100 supposed to look like? And how was the city supposed to get it out to people? Wayne and his team had to decide on a million tiny but important details. There's been a big debate here about whether or not it made sense to send the postage paid envelope. It seems trivial. It is just a stamp. But there were consequences. On the one hand, if Seattle sent stamped envelopes, the program would cost more. This was an anti-stamp argument. But... Why would you make it harder for people to use their vouchers than it has to be? A pro-stamp argument, except... The counter to that is because we should be encouraging contact between candidates and the public. Anti-stamp again. After a bunch of back and forth... We decided to mail the postage paid envelopes. Knowing that all these debates happened, the final product looks deceptively simple. All right, so this is the, the envelope that included the vouchers. It's this fat white package with an official Seattle seal on the front and also this kind of clip arty thing that says $100. And then you would open it, and it has great news. Your four $25 democracy vouchers have arrived. Four blue and white pieces of paper that look kind of like checks. They look pretty good. But even when the voucher design was finalized... Wayne still had this huge task left to do. He had to let people know the currency existed. The city of Seattle is giving eligible Seattle residents $100 in democracy vouchers they can use. Wayne's team created helplines and ads like this one to teach people what the heck the vouchers were and how to use them. Then they translated the ads and the instructions into 15 languages. Democracy vouchers. 
And then, finally, it was the big day. The day they sent vouchers out to a half million mailboxes all across Seattle. January 3rd, 2017. In January, it's dark early in Seattle. Alan again. I get home probably seven. It's been dark for three hours. It's raining. I go to the mailbox, see what's in there, a bunch of junk, and my democracy vouchers. Open the envelope, pull them out. Huge sense of satisfaction. Because I know that all over the city, 500,000 people are receiving democracy vouchers. I remember scrutinizing them. Um, I looked at everything that was written on them. Gina Owens is one of those half million people who got democracy vouchers. She lives in Seattle's Central District. And I'm 60 years young. Gina has been politically active for years, fighting for health care and food policies and housing. But before 2017, Gina had never donated to a campaign. She's on disability. She takes care of her three grandkids. So right now my finances are under $2,000 a month and raising three kids. No, there was no way I was going to find that $100 anywhere. If you did, I'm guessing it was not going to. It would not go to a candidate. When she got her democracy vouchers, she took them to a forum to listen to the candidate she liked. John Grant, that guy we met earlier. She wanted to hand them to him. Um, actually... I kind of made a big deal out of it. She waited until the Q&A part of the event. Walked up to the podium where they were all sitting and gave them my two vouchers. And I told them that the reason I chose him was because he was really great on housing issues and listening to the people. And those are the candidates that I want my vouchers to be used for. So how did it make you feel to have the opportunity to do that for the first time? like Bill Gates, (laughs) being able to um, contribute to a campaign like that was really awesome. And I felt like a big wig that (laughs) usually donates their money all the time. (laughs) That's exactly what the program is supposed to do. It's supposed to create these moments where politicians are connecting with people and demonstrating that they're directly accountable to them. That's John Grant, the candidate Gino walked up and handed her vouchers to. The voucher program completely changed his experience as a candidate. Remember, the first time he ran, there were no democracy vouchers. And he raised about $75,000. That entire year, I, I didn't have a staff. It was just me. But in 2017, he got democracy voucher money from people like Gina. And he raised more than $300,000. He quadrupled his total from 2015. I had a campaign manager. I had a field director. I had field organizers. You know, we knocked on 50,000 doors, and that's a lot of one-on-one conversations with real voters. John Grant didn't actually win the election, but he lost to another democracy voucher candidate, a first-time candidate named Teresa Mosqueda, who does not look like your typical politician. I'm a woman. I'm a person of color. I'm a renter. I still pay student loans. I'm 37. Um, That someone like me wasn't going to be expected to self-finance a campaign really was a green light to say go. Would you say like the democracy vouchers, were those like a factor in your decision to run for office? Absolutely. Teresa's campaign was funded by hundreds of thousands of democracy voucher dollars. Just like John Grant, 
she didn't need a list of big money donors. Teresa was going door to door, meeting voters. They were like, it's really you on this flyer. You're here at my door. And I was like, yes, I'm out here introducing myself. And I'm running as a democracy voucher candidate. And they would say, hold on, I'll be right back. They'd find the democracy vouchers in a pile on their table of mail. And they'd come back and they'd fill it out there right at the door. Then if I was out doorbelling in the evening for three hours or so, I would walk away with five, six, seven hundred dollars on my own sometimes. 300,000 democracy voucher dollars later, it was election night in Seattle. Teresa was watching the results come in. And it showed us at that night at 62% of the vote. And people were just jumping with joy, screaming, hugging each other. And then we had a mariachi band. (laughs) It was amazing. Was that your choice? Oh, hell yeah. This, this is the best version of democracy vouchers. Unusual candidates like John and Teresa didn't have to go into campaigns with big checkbooks or big connections. They raised money from people like Gina Owens, people whose voices suddenly counted way more. And way more Seattle residents gave money to campaigns. Small donations actually tripled with the Democracy Voucher program. It all sounds great until you learn this one other thing. Only 21,000 people sent in their vouchers. That's about 3% of Seattle residents. It's kind of a glass half full, glass half empty thing. After the break, we are going to get the glass half empty version of democracy vouchers. We're going to try and figure out why hundreds of thousands of people got free money in the mail and didn't use it. Wayne Barnett, the guy who runs the Ethics and Elections Commission in Seattle, his office has some pretty dramatic art. So I have the, the horrifying gothic painting over my desk. Imagine this grim black cathedral looming over you while you sit looking at Wayne. Looks imposing when people come to the office. Like, don't, don't <laughs> yes. compromise your ethics. Yes, or exactly. Like... <laughs> or else you'll have to go to this gothic place. <laughs> We settle down to talk about the voucher program. And in a lot of ways, Wayne is proud of it and what it's done. You have a, a city council that people look and see that it contains people who do not have Rolodexes full of friends and associates willing to write them $700 checks. That's a feature of the program. This is the kind of thing we expected to hear from Wayne. But, and maybe we shouldn't have been surprised that an ethics commissioner would be extremely fair and extremely balanced, Wayne was also willing to take a pretty hard look at the program. The program is, you know, it's, somebody might say that it was not successful. They might say that because the vast majority of Seattle residents didn't use the free money, a really vast majority. You know, a fraction of those we sent out came back. Remember, Seattle sent vouchers to a half million people. Each person got four, so that works out to a total of two million vouchers. At the end of the day, I believe we redeemed about 72,000 of them from 21,000 Seattle residents. 72,000 vouchers out of two million. Forget half full, that's like a glass hardly full at all. It is actually around 3% of the vouchers that were sent out. More Seattle residents voted to create the Democracy Voucher Program than actually ended up using them. 
This confused me. Seattle literally sent out $54 million in free campaign donations. 97% of it ended up in the trash. So why did that happen? Why wasn't free money enough to get half or even a quarter of Seattle residents involved in local politics? One possible explanation is that maybe people didn't know about the vouchers. This was the first year of the program. Seattle sent the vouchers out in January, and the election wasn't until November. Maybe people just lost them. The Democracy Voucher people, they actually made ads about this specific issue. That's my human. She's looking for a democracy voucher, which are contributions. In this ad, a talking French bulldog in a red vest is standing around explaining what democracy vouchers are used for. In the background, you have a really frantic owner flipping over couch cushions looking for her vouchers. But she's not going to find them because I ate them. But it's not a big deal. All she has to do is call 206. We went out to cafes and to parks to ask people if they remembered getting their vouchers, if they lost them, if their French bulldog ate them, whatever. I will say the people who made that ad, they nailed the Seattle demographic. We met a lot of good dogs. This is Stevie. He's a mix of about four different Oh, that's breeds. Roscoe. He's a- it's the pride of the dog parent. This is Riley. Don't lick the mic. When we spoke to all those dog owners, there were some who had lost their vouchers and some who just didn't know what they were, like this couple. I don't want to say you you definitely threw them away. I threw them out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I definitely threw them out. I remember getting it in the mail because I didn't know what they were. So I had no idea what how it worked. And when I opened it and it said, you can support your candidates, I was thinking like, oh, they're trying to get me to do free labor or something for right, certain yeah. candidates. I just, I really quickly read it and was like, nope. Even Teresa Mosqueda, the candidate who won because of democracy vouchers, even she didn't know what they were when they showed up. I thought it was news about recycling, so I recycled it. And only later did I think to myself, well, I think that might be the vouchers, and I went back and pulled it out. But that's not the story we heard most often. Did you get mm-hmm. these in the mail this year? I did, yes. Did you use them? I did not. Okay. I was curious if you uh-huh. got these in the mail for this past election. I did, yes. Did you use them? Shamefully, I did not use them in time. Oh, so if you, have, you don't have money to donate, you can donate to somebody. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I did see this. Okay. Yeah. Did you use them? I, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did not. And I fully regret it. And part of it is it just fell off the radar. I was kind of dragging my feet on it. You didn't lose them? Oh, no, I have them on me. Are they still good? No. <laughs> Wayne is trying to figure out what went wrong. What made somebody who got the vouchers put them in the recycling bin? Was it that they didn't know what to do with them? Was it about something we could have done to educate them more, to to get them to use them? Or was it just that they don't view local governing as really relevant to their lives? I mean, those are all possibilities. I'm sure there are other ones I haven't even thought of for why somebody would just throw them in the bin. That very last point, this idea that people 
just kind of write off local government, it really stuck with me. It reminded me of something we kept hearing in Seattle. The candidates aren't that different. Any of them will be roughly fine. Oh, boohoo, we have 15 liberal women running for mayor. Like, what a problem to have choosing between two very progressive candidates in any given race. These Seattle residents do have a point. The city is very liberal and attracts lots of liberal candidates. But take Teresa Mosqueda and John Grant, our democracy voucher candidates. It is true they are both progressive, but they also have very different solutions to Seattle's problems. You know, these forums are really great because you get to hear um, kind of the two directions that the city can take. This is from a candidate forum in 2017. John and Teresa are sitting at a table on a stage. And they're laying out their plans for making housing affordable, which is a huge issue in Seattle right now. John has one plan. I've put forward a proposal requiring 25% of all new development to be affordable to working class people. Teresa has a different idea. Take every parcel of developable, available land and turn it into affordable housing now. These are two really different visions for the city. The kind of thing you might want to vote on. But if Seattle residents don't think elections matter, then the city can publish information in a million different languages. It can put a million French bulldogs in sweaters and have them talk up the democracy voucher program. All their efforts won't have much impact on elections. But they will have an impact on the Seattle budget. It is not a cheap program to run. Wayne again. There are a lot of costs associated with printing, mailing, and processing these vouchers, which hopefully we can reduce once we get an electronic system in place. But I would tell you that it is not a cheap program to run. In 2017, Seattle gave candidates about $1 million in democracy vouchers. The administration of the whole thing was about $1 million on top of that. That means half of the democracy voucher money went to administrative costs. Those are taxpayer dollars that could fund things like schools or roads or more affordable housing. As Wayne said, they are moving to an electronic system next time. And that might cut down on some of the printing and the mailing. But first, they have to build the electronic system. That costs more money. So there are trade-offs. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think... The question is, is your municipality, are they willing to, to pay to, to get more people involved in the political process? Seattle made the decision that we're willing to pay for that good. But I think that's every municipality. don't expect, like, a free ride. Right, program. exactly. Seattle's democracy voucher program seems to have done some undeniable good for the city. Because of candidates like Teresa Mosqueda... City Council now looks more like the people it represents. Democracy vouchers encouraged Mosqueda to run in the first place. Democracy vouchers covered the vast majority of her campaign costs. Democracy vouchers helped her win. Other cities like Austin and Oakland are looking into setting up their own programs. This is the hopeful version of democracy vouchers, one where small money has just as much clout as big money. This is the story that so many people told me before I went out to Seattle. But it is not the full story. In the less hopeful version, other cities are going to look at Seattle and say, wow, they spent a lot on this program. They gave out free money. And most people still did not donate. 
Was it really worth it? Like Wayne says, Seattle made a big trade-off. He thinks it was the right decision. But in other cities, there is a decent chance they might look at the exact same trade-off and come to the opposite conclusion, that small money just isn't worth the high price. This episode was produced by and co-reported with Bird Pinkerton. Our editor is Amy Drozdowska. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. And our engineer is Jared Paul. Our brand new theme song is from one of my favorite bands, Jukebox the Ghost, which is comprised of Tommy Siegel, Ben Thornwell, and Jesse Kristen. Other music by Blue Dot Sessions, Kevin McLeod, Chris Zabriskie, and Poddington Bear. We heard from a lot of great Seattleites in this episode, and I want to thank them. They are Anna Marie Uman, Raphael Soldi, Keith Steinbach, Paul Rucker, Chris Bradbury, Ross McDorman, Alice Tattersall, and Kelly Wilkinson. And a big thanks to Francoise Stovall for her tape from the Vote on Democracy vouchers. And more thank yous to Allison Rocky, Spencer Olson, Renee LeBeau, Laura Friedenbach, and the Every Voice team. A big thanks to our pals over at Planet Money, especially Kenny Malone and Alexi Horowitz-Ghazi. They are airing a slightly different version of this episode today. If you want to learn even more about Democracy Vouchers, you should definitely check it out. And last but certainly not least, a big thank you to all of you. When we put out a call for interesting policy experiments way back last spring, so many of you said, go to Seattle, look at the Democracy Vouchers. So we did. Thank you so much for the fantastic tip.